Thank you for being here this morning. We're in Luke chapter number 10 as we're making our way through the book of Luke. Tonight, we have our Hammond Baptist Institute graduation, and it's a regular service. We've got numbers of things we're going to do this evening. We'll talk about Friend Day. I want all of you to come back at 6 o'clock this evening. More is better when it comes to church attendance, and that's not my idea. That's God's idea. He said, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as a manner of some is. Some people don't attend church faithfully. Don't be in that group. That's what the Lord says. He said, but so much the more... Come faithfully as you see the day approaching when Jesus is coming back for you. So we ought to be coming to church more as we welcome the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, that's true, and I'm glad for those who are faithfully making Jesus a part of the center of your life and making the church family and the attendance of church very faithful as well, and that's great. Luke chapter number 10, as we go through this, four big events take place in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, the first thing is that Jesus sends out 70 followers of Jesus down into the Judean area. Now, just through quickly, uh, in Luke chapter 9, he sent out his 12 apostles. Those are the, the, the 12 that will stay with him. He sent them six different groups out, uh, two by two, and he went out. But they were going to the Galilean section of Israel. Israel was kind of an oblong country, north to south. Up north is Galilee. Uh, down south is J Judea and uh, the area around Jerusalem. Uh, up the north uh, area were more country bumpkins, hicks, if you will, okay? As a matter of fact, whenever the people uh, and many of the followers of Jesus, the simple people and the common people were glad to hear him. The sophisticated, the educated, the, the upper class, they were not as interested in Jesus. As a matter of fact, they became more antagonistic toward him. But in the first chapter 9, he sent his 12 disciples, six different groups, to go out. He gave them instruction. You can read it in Luke chapter 9, the first few verses. We talked about that already. In Luke chapter 10, he picks out 70 additional followers to the Lord. And instead of sending them into the Galilean region, he sends them down into the Judean region. And in cities and places he would go as he is now on the last part of his ministry. He has already gone through probably two years at least, maybe even two years, uh, almost three years. In the next six months, he will be going to the cross. And so he is making his way down. He's going to be going down to those cities of, of, uh, of Judea, and he sends uh, 70 of them to make their way down there. And we see the purpose was to, to teach them of the kingdom of God, to tell them that the Messiah is here and he's coming and uh, get ready for him. Much like uh, John the Baptist did for Jesus in the early days, now he's in the earthly ministry, he's making his way to Jerusalem. Uh, John says he set his face like a flint. That means he was ready to go and he had now turned the page of more discipleship, but he's still working with his disciples. And he sends them down, he gives them instructions. We'll follow along on that in just a few moments. But the purpose was to tell people that the kingdom of God is going to come. He knew that not everyone would receive them. Not everybody's interested in hearing. The same way if you go witnessing today and you were to knock on doors or go door to door or go talk to your friends or talk to the neighbors, not everybody's interested in hearing about it. Many folks have no interest. Some people get very adversarial if you bring it up. But they're always sons of peace. They're always people, when you talk about Christ, who are looking for information on that. And that's why I got saved, because at one time in my life, I wouldn't have been interested, but I was interested the night someone explained to me the gospel. That night, I was a son of peace. I was ready to receive it. And there will always be some people, 
You always find a division when you talk about Jesus. Some will reject it, some will receive it. Some believe, others mock. It's just the way it is. It divides a crowd. But Jesus is sending them out now. And so that's the first main event, is Jesus sending the 70 out. The second event is he gets approached by a tricky, ricky lawyer. A lawyer of the law who is self-righteous, and he says, Oh, what can I do that I might inherit eternal life? Not because he wanted to know that, but because he was trying to trick Jesus, get him to talk and say something that would trick him out and, and, and cause him to have even more adversarial things to say about him. And so he approaches, that's the second main thing that happens in this chapter. The third thing, Jesus platforms off of that question that he gives him and leads him into the story called the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the parable, one of the more well-known parables in the Bible. Matter of fact, there's Good Samaritan hospitals, Good Samaritan rescue missions. Even in the world that don't even know the word of the Bible, they will say, oh, you're such a good Samaritan. He tells that story, which is a very... And then it concludes chapter 10 with a lesson learned in the city of Bethany with Mary and Martha, two sisters that had two different perspectives about the Lord Jesus Christ. Lots of lessons to learn there that I'll not be able to share with you in just the few minutes we have together. However, let's plow through a few thoughts here today that will be helpful to us. Look at chapter 1, chapter 10, verse number 1 of Luke. Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed others, 70 also, and sent them into two cities, me, two, two and two before his face, into every city and place, so the countryside and the cities, whether he himself would come. So he's on his way, and so he's sending others to prepare people for that. By the way, that's still happening today. Jesus is in heaven, and he's sending you and I to prepare the hearts of people and to tell them about Christ. And he said, I want you to go to places, and I want you to tell people about the Lord. And he goes into verse number 2, and he uses a verse that we read most of the time in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, 37, 38, where he says, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. So he gives them his purpose. The purpose is to get out and tell folks that the Messiah is alive and the kingdom of God is now. He said, the, 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 the emphasis is going to be on partnership and labors. Listen, everybody ought to be a witness for Christ. Not just the pastor, and I should be. And I try to get the people, I've tried to sit in living rooms this week and talk to people across from tables this week and try to explain the gospel to others. And I should do it, and so should you do it. Everybody ought to be using the, the gift. He said, the problem is not with the harvest, the problem is with the labors. Every teenager, every graduate, uh, every older man, younger man, younger man, younger women, older, everybody ought to be passionate thinking about getting the gospel to another person. He said, the problem was with labors, and you and I are invited by God to join him in this labor of getting the gospel to other people. I can't save anyone. You can't either. We're not really called to save people. We're called to give the gospel to people. And that was what he told them to do. Look at verse number three, if you would, please. When he tells them to pray that people would get involved in the harvest, I'm praying that that would happen here at First Baptist Church and around the world. He gives them some instructions. He says, now go your ways, verse 3, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. He said, this, I'm, you're going to be very vulnerable. And by the way, if you're a soul winner, you're going to find the same feelings. You're nervous about being rejected. You're, you're nervous about opening up and talking about Christ. He says, it's, it's okay. 
I'm going to send you without a lot of defense, and you're going to be among wolves that are hateful toward me, but I want you to go. I want you to go. And here's what he told him he would do. Look at verse number four. He said, carry me your purse. He said, don't worry about the finances or script. That's, a, that's kind of like a backpack or shoes, new extra shoes. Don't, don't take that. And salute no men, by the way. So don't get bogged down working and staying overnight with people and trying to, to folksy and sit down. And especially it happens here. We're a little more moving here in America. But if you go to the Middle Eastern countries, whenever you stop somewhere, they expect you to stay for an hour or two. You know, it's going to be tea and coffee and more tea and more coffee and more something. They just, they just, it's just sit down and stay a while. He said, look, I, I don't, you can do it later, but not in this trip. On this trip, don't get bogged down and sitting around chewing the fat. I don't even know if that, if that would be applicable or not. But just getting around, just talking. He said, he said you've got a purpose. You've got to keep going. Don't bring any money. Don't bring a backpack. Don't bring extra shoes. And don't get involved with just him hawing with people. You've got a purpose to do while you're there. Look, if you would please, the next verse, verse number 6. Verse 5. And whatsoever house she enter in, say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, someone who is favorable towards your coming, your peace shall rest upon it. And if not, it shall return to you again. He said, you go to a house, and you'll say, hey, peace be to this house. And they say, you know what? That's what we're looking for. You can stay with us. Look at verse number seven. And the same house remains. Stay there, eating and drinking. They'll provide for you and the things which you give. For the labor is worthy of his hire. He talks about the provision that God would give to those who do what he tells them to do. The safest place you can be is right in the middle of God's will for your life, doing what God wants you to do. That's the safest way economically you can be. He said, look, once you go, he said, you'll go and, and you're going to find on this journey that whatever you need, I'm going to provide it through the people that, that you come in contact with. They're going to help you. And when you go to a house, there'll be a son of peace. There's someone who will be on my team who will help you and be ready to receive it. They'll help you. If they open their door, stay there as long as you can stay as you need to stay, eating and drinking. Let them take care of you because the worthy, the, the labor is worthy of his reward. And, of course, Apostle Paul would use that in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18 later in the Bible, teaching to compensate those who serve in spiritual matters in your life. It's a, it's a biblical requirement or biblical uh, principle. Let's look at the next one, if we can, please. Verse number 9. And heal the sick that are therein and say, the kingdom of God has come. That's their purpose. Nine to you. It's, it's approaching you. The king of God is coming, and he's coming near. He's going to be coming through here. But unto whatsoever city ye enter... And they receive you not, go your ways into the streets and say uh, the same and say, even the very dust of your, of your city, which cleaveth to us, we wipe off against you, notwithstanding, ye, uh, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Even if you reject it, he's still coming. And But I say unto you that it is more tolerable for that of the day of Sodom than it would be for that city. Then he's going to go through a rebuke. He's going to go through some very strong woes, and I won't take the time today, but this is the instruction they got. And so they went out into these places. He said, if people receive you, then share with them the message of the gospel, that the kingdom of God is coming. If they don't receive you, he said, go outside their cities and take your shoes and, and push them together and knock off the dust. And he says, you know what? You, you just, uh, you, you're not worthy of this, but just to know the king is still coming. <laughs> You're still going to meet God. Every road of life meets God. 
Not every road of life means God forever and lives with him forever, but every one of us, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Ready or not, he's coming again. And you're going to have to give, whether you accept him or reject him, you're going to meet him. The Bible says it's appointed every man wants to die, and after that, the, there's an evaluation with the, with the judge who doesn't need an attorney, he doesn't need any evidence, he's got all of it. And you're going to stand before him, every one of us. And by the way, if we're a child of God, that ought to challenge us to serve the Lord, be faithful, be pure, be right, be holy, be purposeful in your life. It grieves me that it seems like the longer that someone is saved, the more apathetic they become before spiritual things. And if that's you, get a handle on it and say, hey, I need to get ahead of this thing and behave myself and do what I'm supposed to do and become more fervent, not less fervent. To be more committed, not less committed. Not stepping back and say, I've done that, I've done this, I bought plenty of t-shirts, I'm good. No, you're not. Finish strong. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain the Lord, it just grieves me that many people today, after being saved for all these wonderful years, experienced blessings of God, are now becoming fat and sassy and critical. Or one to find an easy way to exit life. And friends, it's your choice. You can do it. God's not going to make you. He wants willing servants. He'll save you. You're not going to hell, but good night in the morning. If God saved you, you ought to serve God faithfully until you see him. Don't limp across the finish line. Go across it living holy and righteously and committed and giving and loving and serving. Don't get caught up with grudges and, and complaints and aggravations. No, good. Let's, let's stay faithful to the Lord. Let's finish strong in this life. Your casket might be in town today and mine might be too. Would to God, if I had a massive heart attack, or you did this week, and our, our, our funeral's announced next Sunday morning, that we at least stayed on the right track until we got to see the Lord. That we faithfully gave, we faithfully served, we faithfully witnessed. We were holy and pure on our phones, in our entertainment, in our, in our social media. We were right before the Lord. But here he says, look, there's some folks, you're not going to take it. And he says, woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. These are little towns right there along the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum, a town that meant the town of comfort. It was a nice climate. It was a beautiful, comfortable. He said, but you did nothing with the gospel. I came to you and you just were just, just apathetic. He said, had the things been done in Tyre and Sidon, Gentile cities that were done in your coast, if they saw what you saw, they would repent it in, ash, in, in sackcloth and ashes. Boy, many of us, we've seen God do wonderful things in our life. We've seen him save us. We've seen him help us. We've seen him help us raise our kids. And, and we've, we've got the peace of God. We've got joy. We've got understanding of the scriptures. And instead of, 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 of taking that thing that God has given us and going on for God, we just like, well, God's been good, man. He's been good. And we do nothing with it. He said, if an unsaved person would have got what you got, they would have been fervently serving the Lord. He said, that's, he, that, he gives woes and rebukes to the cities. Well, the 70 come back. They go out and they come back. And when they come back, they come back with glowing reports. They had no need unmet. They didn't get hurt. And when they spoke, God used them. 
Even so much that the demonic forces that were definitely sent to that region while Jesus was alive, especially to complicate his ministry, when, that, when those demons came, the 70 people would speak in the name of Jesus and the demons would, would depart and would listen to them. And when they came back, they were pretty excited. Look, if you would please, their response. Can we look at that if we can? Verse number, uh, we're chapter 10, and let's look at verse number 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the de devils are subject unto us through thy name. He said, man, we went out, it was unbelievable. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He said, oh, man, he was defeated a long time ago. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He said, I was around when we kicked him out of heaven. And he's now a defeated foe. I don't think any of us ought to be challenging the devil. But nor do I think we ought to be afraid of him. Greater is he that is than he that is. Yeah, he is he's a flashpan. Now he's powerful, but he's not omnipotent. He, can, he has a short leash. And he's damned for eternity away from God and he wants to take the world with him. And if you're saved, he can't take you with him, but he can make you so silly make you good at things that don't matter, make you experts at something that's just trivial, and miss the purpose that you have to get other people the gospel of Christ. That's what he wants to do. He just wants you to be average. Don't be fervent. Just, just, just be lukewarm. Not hot, not cold. Just be in the middle. Just go along to get along. But he said, Jesus said, they said, man, even the Davons were subject to us when we spoke in your name, Lord. He goes, look, I was there when we cast him down from heaven. He is, he's a, he's a has-been. But he's got some power right now. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. In verse number 19, behold, I give unto you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions over the, the power of the enemy and put in nothing shall be by any man's hurt to you. Notwithstanding, verse 20, and this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. Would you read the rest of the verse with me, verse 20? But rejoice because your names are written. Hey, they said, man, God really used us. Jesus said, ah, oh, knock it off. You were just the glove, I was the hand. That's like the glove saying, boy, I picked up that big old, big old piece of wood, didn't I? No, you didn't. The hand picked it up. You were just wrapped inside, you were wrapped around the hand. He said, anything you get to do, that's good. What you ought to be happy with is that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. What you'd be happy about is you're saved. You know who the greatest Christians become? People who never get over the joy of being saved. Are you saved? Do you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? Can you remember that day? Well, never get over it, Spanky. Stay on that thing and say, hey, God saved me. Get happy with the fact that God has forgiven your sin. He has saved you and never, you can rejoice about all the good things God might use you to do, but never get over the day that God took your wicked soul out of the miry clay and he saved you. Jesus tells them, oh yeah, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad God used you. I'm glad demons were, that's nothing. We, we threw him out of heaven a long time ago and he's a defeated foe. And I'm glad that nothing's gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be safe in my hand and doing what I want you to do but never get over the day that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Make sure you love that. Now let's continue on, can we please? Verse number 22. In that hour, Jesus did what? Verse 21, would I say 22? Let's take a 21, how about that? In that, in that hour, Jesus did what? Don't you, don't you want to give God a good day? 
I love it when Jesus gets good. I love it when we get a win for God. That's why I can't stand when people are so critical and, and sinful and wicked. Because God gets a bad name. You know how he gets glory? Through me and you. When we do what we're supposed to do. When you get in a fight with someone and you spend all your time fighting against somebody else and trying to defend your rights, you know who loses? You lose and God loses. But a good day came to Jesus. I don't know exactly what happened there, but at that moment, whenever they said, he said, look, just rejoice that your name is written in heaven. They probably said, yeah, that's right. They were going to be rejoicing. We're saved. That's right. And Jesus maybe winked to the heavenly father and said, this is a good day, isn't it? I rejoice in my spirit. That the things that the scientists can't get, the things that the religious right can't figure out, the, 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 the hierarchy of, of, of society, they can't figure out, but you've shown it to a bunch of Galilean hillbillies. You've shown it to some common people. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 that not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise after the flesh are called or respond to the gospel of Christ. Usually people who get saved is just common people. He said, the, the wealthy, ah, they trust in their riches. The religious, they trust in their works. He said, but, but these people have received the gospel of Christ. They're glad their name is written in heaven. And he goes, I'm glad too. Things that are hid and people who have unbelievable IQs have chosen to reject Jesus. But these common people have received it like babes, little babes. You know what? A child has to be quick to do. Two, children are quick to do two things. To believe what you instruct them or you tell them and to receive what you give them. You know, that's how you get saved. You believe the gospel and you receive the Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. If that's you, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Jesus. Don't go away without Jesus. Don't go away without him. He suffered and died on Calvary to save you, to cleanse from your heart every sin. Make your decision for Jesus. Make it today. If you are saved, why don't you determine, God, with your help, I'm never going to get over the day that you saved me. I'm going to rejoice in my salvation, and I want to live in such a way that I can please you, both now and forever. I hope you'll decide to do that. This is a great chapter. I wish I had another hour because the rest of the chapter is even better than this chapter. But you're going to like it when we talk to it another time. Let's pray together, can we? Father,